Sherm Chester along with Sam Bruno and our special guest today on this edition of the Seaco Sports Forum, Roger Brown from the union leader, NewHampshireFootballReport.com. And let us not forget your new venture, 603 Sports Podcast. Roger. It's coming along, Sherm. I'm a slow learner, but we're getting there. Thanks to everybody who's been listening. Appreciate welcome, it. Welcome to the fray. Yeah. <laughs> you you found your niche or niche or whatever. Wow. The... <laughs> I was one of the few people left on this earth without a podcast. So, you know, I enjoyed the crowd. Seem to be getting a fair amount of listeners. I don't know what I'm supposed to, you know, I don't. I don't tell them to smash the like button or any of that stuff, but uh, oh, you should see now we'll, we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast. The thing I was going to mention is that if people uh, who follow you on uh, either the, or in the union leader or uh, on the New Hampshire football report.com or, or the baseball edition, the fact is that uh, the 603 sports podcast is kind of like an amalgam of both in season. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, that was the plan. I think that's what we're doing. Sherm. So I've been doing mostly or all football, once football season started and probably, you know, we'll continue to do football for maybe a month or so after the season. And then I think people will be hungry for baseball at that point. So we'll, we'll uh, tailor it to baseball. You know? well, we'll even touch on baseball later in the program, but right now let's focus on football. Um, let's start with the schoolboy, um, the schoolboy football. First off, the question I have for you is any surprises in any of the divisions throughout the state of New Hampshire? Very few, I would say. Very few. This is one of those years where it's been, it was so predictable. Uh, I think I wrote a column before the season started, and I, I don't think I'd change anything. We, you know, we're going to have championship games between teams that almost everybody expected to get there in all the divisions, really. And I will say the one surprise, perhaps, in division one is Salem start, you know, they're five and oh, they do have, uh, it's not a, you know, they've beaten Wyndham, which is a very good team. So it's not like they haven't played anybody. They beat Concord. Um, and they're a young team, very few seniors. I think next year they will be one of the teams to beat, but I don't think anybody expected them to be this progress this quickly. Um, now they still have to play Pinkerton and Londonderry. So we'll, you know, We'll see how close or if there's a gap between those two teams in Salem. But the fact that they're 5-0, and you know, that would be a surprise. And uh, I guess on the flip side, the Nashua South hasn't won a game. So mm. I think that's a bit of a surprise because they have a – again, they're a young team, but I think this was supposed to be a year where they took a couple steps forward. Well, let's uh, stay close to home. The Exeter Bluehawks have – have an undefeated season in division. They did lose their first contest. Uh, the I don't want to call it an exhibition game, but the off-schedule game against St. John's of Shrewsbury, Mass. Um, before we get into what's left of their schedule, let's talk about that game. What, what was your takeaway there? Oh, I actually thought Exeter came uh, played a pretty good game. Um, for those who don't know, St. John's Shrewsbury is a very strong program uh, historically. I thought they were big and athletic and I thought Exeter did a good job of turning it into an Exeter style of game. Um, you know, uh, kicking game, you know, working the clock, keeping it close. And a lot of times in those games, Exeter's just looking for a big break, you know, break a touchdown run against the blitz, which St. John's was certainly doing or something like that. 
And then uh, uncharacteristically, a, a couple of fumbles, I, you know, hurt Exeter. They fumbled the ball away when they were in uh, St. John's territory. And then I, I, I may be, I may have my uh, drives wrong, but I think it was the next possession. They fumbled on a third and one in their own end and then had to go forward on fourth down and didn't get it. So I actually came away impressed with Exeter based on the level of competition. I think it was, a you know, a loss is a loss, but it was not like a 28 seven type game where one team was in control the whole way. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, really, I think it, it will do a good job of preparing Exeter for its next two games, at least, which is Portsmouth, as we record Portsmouth and uh, Londonderry. I, so, that, well, I was going to ask you about that since now we're on the road for three consecutive games. Uh, we don't get home cooking until senior night, the final regular game of the season against Dover. Uh, um, so a good tune-up, I guess that's the takeaway. You've got a good tune-up from St. John's. Now you've got to battle two good teams in a row. And uh, Memorial could be a, a surprise, too. You don't want to just take uh, the foot off the gas pedal on that one either. And then, of course, Dover at the end of the season. Dover's looking at Exeter as maybe a spoiler. I think Dover's that good. They could win the conference easily. Okay. Um, so that's going to be a toughie. Let's not forget, Dover only has one loss. It was a close one to Portsmouth. So if Exeter loses Friday, you know, theoretically, that Dover game comes down to second and third place, for, or, or at least maybe Dover moves up. So, yeah, it's a tough stretch for, I mean, I'm, I guess my point is don't underestimate Dover. They're right in the mix with they got mm-hmm. some of the best players in the state. Uh, you know, probably the best quarterback in the conference. He'll probably be the starter in the Chad game. Uh, that's not a game where, like, Exeter should go in thinking they're going to win and Dover might upset them. Uh-uh. Mm. They'll be fighting for okay. everything they get that night. Even the Memorial game, Memorial has a quarterback that's very, like, much like the St. John's quarterback, run accurate when he throws – you know, I would expect Exeter to get that one, but the other three are going to be very, very difficult. Now, I will say, if somehow Exeter runs the table, uh, my math is fuzzy, journalism major, of course. Um, <laughs> I think they're going to get the number one seed, or they to do that overall, not just in the conference, but overall. But there's a lot of work to be done before you even start thinking about that. Right. Sam? I think uh... – Exeter played certainly a good first half against St. John's of Shrewsbury uh, the other night. Um, You know, teams that scout Exeter, they see the film and it's the same thing. Uh, You have to be able to stop Exeter between the tackles. And St. John's of Shrewsbury did one of the best jobs of executing that game plan. I think I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, They had nine, 10 players in the box. And uh, before uh, the quarterback for the Blue Hawks could even drop back or hand off the ball, they were in the backfield. So uh, especially in the second half. So I I think, um, as Roger said, uh, they played a quality program. They know what it's like to go up against uh, some quality players. And uh, I'm going to take the positive away from the loss and say the Exeter offense and defensive linemen are going to be much better for it when they go up against, for example, against the uh, Clipper Cats. One of the Blue Hawks staple plays is the uh, drop back and the tight end uh, faking the block and going out into the flat. Mm-hmm. And uh, St. John's had that covered all night long. That wasn't going to work. Wow. No, 
probably because quarterback uh, Bove uh, couldn't even get in position to throw the ball before he was tackled. Right. So uh, it was just a, just a rough night, especially in the second half. Yeah, I think it was, you know, I, the, a lot of positives to take away uh, from that game. And I, I think that if I had to speak for Coach Ball, he probably scheduled a tough opponent on purpose. He's, you know, he knows what he was up against going in and when he scheduled that game and uh, probably did it to improve his team. And, uh, you know, I, I would assume they'd be better for it. The loss does not hurt you in the standings. Um and again, hey, was, Roger, I was going to yeah. ask you a question. I couldn't find anywhere how Portsmouth did against Norway, Maine. Did you get a score on that? Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's Oxford Hills. Is the, I know they're in Norway, Sam. It's it's called, I think it's one of those regional schools, maybe. Okay. Um, and they won 20 to 14. Okay. And uh, Oxford Hills won Maine State Championship in Class A last year. That's their highest division. They were ranked number one in the state this year, but they got beat the week before the Portsmouth game. So a good win for Portsmouth uh, going up there. You know, it's a good program that they beat. So um, do you see this becoming, uh, you know, uh, I know they're going to probably leave a, a bye week in the schedule, even in the future. But um, some of these matchups, like the one you just mentioned, or the one we play St. John's becoming a regular thing, or will we just every year take somebody else, a newcomer? Well, good question, Sherm. You know, I, I know uh, they're going to do realignment this year. And I mean, to be honest with you, my guess would be the buys will go away. So there'll be no out-of-state games after this season. That's just a, a guess. Um, you know, it's kind of fluky that they they ended up with 21 teams instead of 20 for the last two years. And that's when this uh, made the buy necessary or the open week or whatever you want to call it. But um, I'd like to see them extend the season like it is now past Thanksgiving, play the schedule and give them a bye week so mm -hmm. that you can do these out of state matchups mm -hmm. uh, or play whoever you want really. Uh, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they do. Yeah. I want to bring up in a future show, the, you had a, a good uh, podcast about realignment, but also the playoffs and, 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 you know, getting into the championship season uh, in a central area. And we'll save that for another future podcast, because I want to shift gears and go to the Wildcats, the UNH Wildcat team um, beat Dartmouth. Um, and, and I don't know, should have, should have probably beaten Towson, the Tigers uh, in their last game. Uh, they have a bye week so what what you what so far are you taking away from what you've seen from the wildcats and what are they going to do heading into the second half of their season they need to do a lot of fixing you know things uh that that defensive performance i don't you know you're not going to win any football games playing defense like that you know you score 51 points and you can't win a game at home you know and let's face it this is not like a strong strong towson team you know they lost to Norfolk State the week before, who lost to it was coming off a loss to a Division two program. Uh, I hard to hard to remember or recall a worse home loss than that one. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think people. I, well, the true fans I know are realize how bad a loss it was, but others I think are kind of glossing over it. But that was one they're going to look back on, and if they do correct things, it could cost them a playoff berth if they're fortunate and they get things together. But I mean, 
you know, you're you're own two in the conference at this point. I think the playoffs are the last thing you're thinking about. They gotta they just gotta get a win, you know, in, in the CAA. Uh not the start that people were envisioning for this team for sure. But prob- probably a good thing that they have a bye week this week to put I a little agree, bit Steve. extra work a lot on of that things def- to correct defensive effort. Right. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Yep, I agree. Housen, first year head coach. Roster had like 44 people turned over. You know, if you're going to circle one, say, okay, we got a W, that was the one. Mm. Okay. So, they do have three, you know, they, they have three more home games against Albany, Villanova, and Maine. Um, so, you know, I Albany's, think. That, yeah. Sorry, Shim, go ahead. I mean. Uh, no, I think, I think Albany, Albany's a pretty good club. Uh, Villanova's not, you know, not the strongest program in the world. And then you always have the rivalry with Maine. Sure, and that's your favorite game, anyways, for the musket. Hey, go for that musket, but you know, like Rogers said, uh, uh, 56 54 or 56 51 or whatever the final score is. That was is. probably the highest scoring game in the nation last Saturday, I would think 105 points. Yeah, I wonder who had the over under <laughs> on that one. <laughs> well, you know, one thing that does concern me about the Wildcats is they're focusing. I mean, we know Max Brosmer has got the tools. Uh, he can throw the ball. He can scramble if he needs to. Uh, he can see the field, uh, and he's doing good things. Dylan Lobby, as the running back, putting up phenomenal numbers, yardage. Um, the only thing, are we, are we hitching our wagon, Roger and Sam? Throw your input on this one. To, to those two, and, and the future hinges on those two. Those two are fine. Defense is the problem. Okay. I agree. I think uh, I think Max Brosmer has made, for me, you know, Sherm, we've seen Brosmer come along since his oh, yeah. first game, and I think he's done an excellent job coming along. Uh, yeah. I didn't expect I didn't expect him to be this good. And uh, I think he's I think he's doing a good job. Uh, Lauby again is gonna be uh, uh, probably a non-drafted uh person who's going to go to the NFL, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and hook on with some club and return some punts and do those types of things. Uh, and I think the receiving core for the Wildcats, all pretty good. Joey Cochran, Morriso, Lincolns, uh, those are all guys who can catch the ball. But boy, that defense, unbelievable. They were just, uh, they just couldn't stop anything that Towson had last Saturday. Yeah, I guess my only my point was that if something happens to Max and or Dylan, uh, where do we go from there? I mean, do we have a backup quarterback that can fill the fill the bill for the rest of the season? And same for the running back. I mean, I, we haven't seen many guys in that backfield. Uh, uh, it's been the Dylan Lobby show, especially when it was against Dartmouth the other the a couple of weeks back. Sure, I got to be honest with you, the offense is fine. Fine. No, I, I understand that, but I'm just saying if we, if somebody they gets could hurt, have, they could have uh, Pat Mahomes at quarterback, and if they're giving up 54 points, forget it. It's oh, over. I understand. You know? No, I understand that. But I'm just saying, do they have somebody to back those two guys up? I'm sure they do. I mean, uh, you know, Ricky, Ricky, Rick Santos is an offensive-minded coach, and I'm sure when he goes recruiting, he's going to be recruiting players to have uh, – to score some points. So again, I'm not quite sure who the next person on the uh, depth chart is for quarterback. Uh, you've got Caleb Mead back there uh, and we see him sometimes, but uh, again, it's, uh, it's the type of thing that, uh, you know, the, the defensive, the defensive line and the linebackers and the secondary uh, all better go out for lunch and have a good long talk 
to one another to get ready for uh, the next game against Albany. Yeah, well, that's where we should be talking about the backups on that side of the ball because those guys might be starters soon. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, and I will say, Sam, real quick, uh, the, I was sitting next to two pro scouts who were looking at lobby uh, Saturday, one from the Sanders okay. and one from the Patriots. I'm okay. sure they at other guys too, but um, who knows? You know? Well, speaking yeah. of the Patriots, what a mess that is, huh? <laughs> yes. Your boy Zappy actually is getting some. some. He did. Reps. He did. Boy, was I excited when Zappy got in the other day. I, I was really, <laughs> I got really excited about that. Now, the question is, the question is, the big question for the Patriots for the rest of the season is tank or no tank? Tank. I feel like, I feel like Howie Mandel. Roger Brown, tank or no tank? I don't think they have a choice. I think if they play their best, they're still going to be tanking. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I was going to say this is a total train wreck and uh, losing a couple of key defensive players. Uh, I don't know, 500s are going to be a stretch, I really think. Yeah, that loss of Juden and especially Gonzalez, yeah. uh, they're in big trouble now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do we look- agree that we've seen enough of Mac Jones? Like, Oh, of course. Goodbye. Oh, no, I, I, I'm not going to say that yet, okay? Because I think that right now, I don't care if it's him, Bailey Zappi, or I don't care. They, they can bring somebody back from the scrap heap. Uh, who, who's out there? <laughs> um, well, no, I, I, I'm, start, I'm starting the lobbying campaign right now for the next, page, next Patriots quarterback next year to be the fighting Irish Notre Dame Sam Howells we all need him behind behind center for the Patriots. He's going to be a next a next Patriot quarterback. Sam Hartman, I was just going to say, not the Howell. Oh, Hartman. Excuse me, Hartman, not yeah. Howell. I mean, Max, not the guy. Clearly, I mean, he forget about his performance on the field, his actions and antics, some of the stuff on the field and off the field. Like he's anything but a leader. You know, I have to admit, they gave him Bill O'Brien supposedly to give him the support that he didn't have last year. And it so far isn't translating. So I mean, oh, that's, yeah, excuse you know, after excuse. First, yeah. he didn't have any wide receivers, yeah. and he didn't have yeah. a offensive. Co- I, come on, people, he's I not know. good. <laughs> but in the meantime, is Vinny Testaverde still available? <laughs> that's an old well, Belichick Matt, go-to. Matt Matt Ryan's in the CBS booth, so you could pull him out at any time. There you go. There you go. There you go. Okay, well, Roger uh, in the NFL. Uh, seeing any uh, anything that surprises you there? Other than the Patriots, oh, the Patriots actually didn't surprise me, Sherm. I've been, uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. This. You know, I, it's boring, but I'm an offensive line guy, and if you don't have an offensive line, you ain't going anywhere. I don't care what your quarterback is or your defense is. Right. And theirs is atrocious. I think you got to you got to go to Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. I mean, uh, yeah, I thought know, they were they... going to be good, but they are playing inspired football. You're right, Sam, for sure. Yep. And, and is C.J. Stroud the next star for the Houston Texans? Looks like it. You get an Ohio State quarterback who's good in the pros, you know. But Oh, speaking of which, thank you for bringing Ohio State up. Uh, I get the press release last week uh, from UNH that in 2027, the UNH Wildcats will be playing the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, did that announcement surprise you any, Raj? <laughs> A little bit. Um you know, the, the, the thing that I liked under Marty Scarano was when he when he scheduled these uh, FBS opponents for UNH, I thought he did an outstanding job of picking the opponents. They always got 
the game is for the paycheck for sure for UNH, but he never put them in a position where they had no chance, mm-hmm. you know, now they got walled by Pitt a few years ago, but you know, they won a, they won a lot of those games against FBS teams. And, and then obviously this year, I'm sure the paycheck's a little bit more, but the, the chance of winning is almost zero. You know, well, it's a Ryan Day versus Rick Santos uh, matchup that everybody was talking about, especially in the press release before, you know, the two. I would uh, bet uh, every nickel I have that it ain't going to be a Ryan Day versus Ricky Santos matchup. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe we could get a steel cage match. In the, that's, in a, that's a nice the PR yard one. by them, but uh, no, I don't, I don't see that happening. How about at halftime they do a, a pass, punt, and kick? <laughs> Yes. I just I'd rather watch that. <laughs> I, I guess if it was me, I'd rather I'd rather play uh, you know a more middle of the pack FCS opponent. You know, like if they were playing Minnesota, even or somebody. You know, just not a complete heavyweight like that where they're completely overmatched. I mean, you want to talk about injuries? I mean, this this, this is a game oh, that yeah. can hold the yeah. season. You know, and and for what? That just shows you, you know. I don't know if it tells you how much UNH needs money or just these FCS teams need money or what, but. I agree with you. I, I don't understand the logic of some of these. Uh, I know the fascination with two UNH uh, greats going at each other on, on opposing sidelines, but that just. That ain't happening. Don't fall horseshoes, for that. My favorite, my, my favorite thing is horseshoes and hand grenades. That's what that is going to be like. So anyway, uh, baseball, before we sign off today, we've talked football. We got baseball, uh, the regular season's wrapped up the Red Sox. Uh, well, they just kind of stumbled their way to the end. Um, speaking we, of no surprises, you know, the thing just on the Red Sox situation, yeah. when I looked at the final league numbers for the year, you know, I had, I was encouraged by the fact that this season, the Red Sox didn't have to play Baltimore, the Yankees, mm. Toronto, mm-hmm. and the Blue Jays 19 times. Right. I said, hey, boy, this is going to be a real advantage for the Red Sox. They still finished last. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what does and, that tell you? And raise ticket prices again. Again. Yeah. Why the fans oh, but, take but it? But only, only single digit, Roger. Only single digit. <laughs> <laughs> The teams that are left, are you still, I think we were in agreement at one point that Atlanta and, of course, Roger, the Dodgers, <laughs> will be the, the two teams in the National League. Um, what about the American League, Sam? Well, I think uh, I think the Astros will have no trouble with the Twins. The Astros have a relentless lineup. Um, I think they have enough pitching to do the job. I think the Twins had to exert a lot of effort to get by the wild card round. So I have no problems with the Astros uh, winning maybe three zip over the twins in the best of five series in this one. The next American league series intrigues me. um, The Orioles and Texas, Um, Texas is a streaky team. And I like the way Montgomery and Evaldi looked. So uh, I'm going to be picking, um, I'm going to be picking Texas over Baltimore, and I think that's going to go all five games. What about the Phillies, Sam? Any chance? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, I, you know, again, the Braves pitching is a little bit of a problem. I don't know if Nola 
and Wheeler for the Phils can uh, can do the performing performance that they had this lap this past week. I think the Braves lineup is just uh, is is relentless as well. Um, and uh, on that Arizona Dodger matchup, um, you know, I, how can you pick against the Dodgers? You can't. Yeah. I think yeah. I think Arizona Arizona is a nice story. Uh, Corbin Carroll's a nice story. Uh, they've got some pretty nice players on Arizona, but I don't think they have enough to, uh, to do the job. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think, you know, you're going to want to see a Dodgers Braves national league championship series. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be must see TV and over on the American, over on the American uh, league side. I think I'd like to see the battle of Texas. I'd like to see the Astros against Texas. Um, I think that would be a, I think the Texas lineup is a pretty good lineup and the Astros have got their lineup. So uh, my final four are going to be Astros, Texas, Dodgers, and Braves. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> you know what? Atlanta has got the best team on paper. Well, I, I know you'll disagree with me, Roger, with the Dodgers. I don't know. I won't, I won't disagree because uh, people don't realize the Dodgers have one starting pitcher. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, so, the fact that they've done what they did is re- really remarkable. Yeah. You know, I, you know it, I think the Phillies, you know, uh, it's, it's up to them. They want to go back and, and uh, defend in the world series. They have to play their tails off against the Atlanta Braves. That's uh but you know, I'll probably stick with my prediction from weeks back. It'll be Atlanta and on the American league side. Yeah. I'd like to see somebody in there different uh, Texas or Baltimore, uh, I'm tired of Houston. I have to admit. So I, 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 I well, I'll, I'll go with either Texas or Baltimore. I don't care which one gets in. You know, I just I want to see a different different uh, matchup there in the World Series for a change. And the Red Sox, on the other hand, uh, I have no idea what they're going to be going after or what they need. Well, we know what they need, but what they're going to be going after uh, in the off season, uh, they got to get a general manager first. That's a number one. So uh, have you heard anything about any of that on on the Grapevine, Sam? No, nothing like that. Unless, unless they promote Cora, which I don't think that they will do. Mm. Um, I, you know, Alex Cora says he's going to be with the team next year, but I don't know if he's going to be in the dugout. Uh, so that that's a question to look at. They're creating these new positions for other people so that they don't ship them out and, but they keep them within the organization uh, for that kind of situation. Um, you know, I haven't studied the free agent market yet uh, for, for the pitching situation yet. Uh, but, you know, that's where you really have to start. Um, you know, you can't put all your eggs in Chris Sale for another year. The Tampa Bay Rays team uh, had nobody in the stands for the for the wild card that's games. Right. Yes. That's terrible. Back to Montreal. Get a team up there. Yes. Well, what, what bothers me is they're talking about expanding Major League Baseball and they're talking about Portland, Nashville and all these other places, Las Vegas. I mean, you can't even fill the stadium in Tampa Bay, so why don't you just find a new home for them? Two-minute drill. Uh, Roger, you want to go first? You want Sam to go first? I can lead off if you want. Um, go for it. I'll just be quick. Uh, back to NHIA football. Um, awful trend this year. Forfeited games. We've had, uh, well, we had five forfeited games in half a season. I can only remember two games that were forfeited in like 25 years prior to that, other than COVID. And then word came out yesterday that Kearsage is forfeiting the rest of its season. So that's five more games. Um, 
Now, I'm not saying, you know, there aren't situations where teams suffer injuries, lower, you know, small schools and they can't play, but I don't understand why so many forfeits and a lot of them seem to be against the best teams, you know, like, oh, we have Pelham on our schedule. All of a sudden our, our team is sick, you know, or we have Trinity on our schedule. Oh, we can't play this week of six. So, you know, I've had some coaches call me and they wish the NHIA would look into it. And if it forfeits are occurring for not the right reasons, uh, maybe there's some sort of penalty, but uh, it just doesn't make sense to me that we're all of a sudden games are forfeited when they've never been forfeited before. It's not fair to the opponents. I think it sends the wrong message to the kids, you know, just because you're not having a successful season that you throw in the towel. Um, so in my mind, it's a disturbing trend. And uh, again, there may be situations where teams can't play for safety reasons. I understand that, but uh, there's other ways to handle even those uh those types of situations as well. So I don't think it's good for the health of high school football. And Sam, your two minute drill. Uh, I just thought Sherman, instead of me getting on a soapbox and railing against the Patriots or the Red Sox or somebody like that, I just thought I could just do a quick recap of the uh, Blue Hawk sports teams fall season so that everyone knows a little bit about where they are for uh, Dan Curran's boys soccer team. Uh, They've got a young, young team this year. They're three, seven, and one as they go into the home stretch. Uh, so uh, they're going to be trying to get to 500 and earn a playoff berth. Uh, girls soccer team under uh, Megan Young, uh, no doubt about them. They're 10 and one. Uh, Bishop Girton's the top team at 11 and one. They've got five more games to go. So they'll be a top seed going into the playoffs as usual. Uh, and uh, Deb Grotz field hockey team, they're currently ranked sixth. At nine and four, uh, so they are, they have five more games to go. They're heading for a playoff berth. Volleyball looking to get to five hundred. They're at five and seven. Uh, unified soccer undefeated, number one team in the state right now at four and zero. Oh. And the Exeter High School golf team uh, taking a look at all their matches this season. They've got an excellent twenty three and four record in all of their matches this season. So uh, again. Seasons end early now. Uh, they don't go into November. Uh, right. They end that last week of October. So uh, if you want to catch any of these teams in any of their games, uh, they have probably two or three home games left in the month of October. Yeah, and senior nights and things like that. And I know we've been doing a few of the youth nights, uh, youth program, you know, where we acknowledge the up and coming Blue Hawks to the Any programs. injuries in the Seahawks run the other night, Sherm? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody got run over, no. So far, so good. <laughs> and the soccer. We had soccer the other night, too. Uh, uh, girls soccer and, and, and uh, the boys soccer team has the youth night coming up. For my two-minute drill, gentlemen, I just want to uh, say we had a lot of fun the other night. We had a couple of reunions at uh, William Ball Stadium over the past uh, couple of games. Uh, a couple of games ago, the homecoming game, if you want to call it, the traditional rivalry game between Winnicott and Exeter at halftime. I actually got to go on the field first time ever uh, since I've been the public address announcer at Bill Ball Stadium to go down on the field at halftime uh, to introduce members of my class, the class of 1973, the, celebrating their 50th reunion. Uh, we had fun uh, getting together and also another reunion, uh, the championship team the exeter blue hawk championship team from 1998 now 97 was the first of many victories championships for coach bill ball 
Uh, that was the undefeated season, and they beat the Bishop Girton Cardinals in the championship game. That was in 97, but they did it again in 98. And it was good to see those guys out on the field uh, during the halftime of the last game. And matter of fact, I, I'm going to, it's an open offer to get together with those guys. I know we did a, a, a video session with the 97 team and with Coach Ball. And I would love to do the same thing with the guys from the 98 team. And hopefully we can do it up at the old Eustace Field, just like we did with the 97 team, and put it on video and uh, put it in the time capsule. A lot of fun. And the other thing I did want to mention, we go back to the beginning of the show when I was talking with podcasting uh, with Roger. Uh, definitely, Roger, you want to uh, make sure you let people know where you're at on your with your podcast. Now, we've had subtractions and additions. I'll give you an example. I found out the other day that Stitcher, where our podcast was located for about a couple of years now, is gone. They've gone out of business. So that's one gone. I got a note the other day that Google is going to drop their podcasts next year in 2024. So, you know, we, we're on a lot of uh, different outlets. We're on Apple. Uh, we're on Spotify. Uh, we're on now. We've added a couple, Audible. So if you're into Audible books, we're there on, under podcast. Uh, we're also under uh, Amazon Music, under podcast. And I've added us to iHeart. So we're on the iHeart podcast uh, channel. So, uh, you know, you got to you gotta make sure, you, at the beginning of the show, you were talking about liking and all that. Yeah, yeah definitely want to have uh, people, uh, if they have a button or uh, something they can hit to subscribe, do that because uh, it's very important. And, and the most important thing is if people are enjoying your program, spread the word, pass the word that in your case, the 603 sports podcast is out there. Or in our case, the Seco sports forum. So uh, just, I thought I'd throw that at you, Raj. Just well, I can tell you, sure. That uh, I'm doing things the unconventional way. I don't edit it. So you get it the way it is. But Sam, that's something we have to work on for maybe 2024 is uh, a, a a website that we can have, you know, whatever we want to put articles or, or opinions or whatever, similar to what Roger does. He's a reporter though. He's got in-depth stuff. We'll just do kind of light and fluffy stuff. Everybody's then, a reporter these days. Sure. Well, that's true. And then have people, you know, have that link. So they go to the actual podcast. That's, that's important too. Well, gentlemen, uh, I guess time to adjourn and uh, we'll see how the rest of the football season plays out. We'll be, doing more of that. And of course, uh, we'll talk about on our next podcast, probably where the world series is headed. So until then for Sam Bruno and Roger Brown from the union leader, New Hampshire football report.com and 603 sports podcast. I'm Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seaco sports forum.